Jesus says to us, by this, the world will know that you are my disciples if you have love for one another. Not by whether you go to church. Not by whether you can tell me who the 12 apostles were or name all the books of the Bible in order or recite the Nicene Creed from memory. Not by whether people see you praying every day. In fact, Jesus says the opposite. He tells us to pray in secret. Instead, Jesus tells us that the way the world will know that we belong to Jesus is if we have love for one another. That doesn't sound so hard, does it? Of course, loving like that is very hard. It's very hard to love one another the way that Jesus loves us. This is part of his farewell address to his disciples. And Jesus tells his followers, I'm leaving. And where I'm going, you're not able to come just yet. And so, because I'm leaving, let me give you one last rule, one last teaching, one last commandment. Love one another. That's what matters. Jesus says it to his disciples and Jesus says it to us. Every time we gather around God's table, Jesus is with us in flesh and blood. Jesus is with us in body and blood, uh, bread and wine. And every time we gather, if we open our ears and our hearts to hear it, we will hear Jesus say to us, love one another. Right now, it feels like it's hard to love people from Alabama. I'm from Alabama, and I feel pretty well loved by this community, but I notice on Facebook how easy it is for us, some of us, to post uh, things about how people from Alabama are a lot like the poop emoji. I've seen a lot of poop emojis associated with the state of Alabama. Um, as you all know, uh, the legislature in the state of Alabama is one of many states who's passed a very stringent uh, law restricting abortion. Uh, it has been quite controversial. It has fractured the community. I think when people remember that I'm from Alabama, they're probably a little less likely uh, to tag me in that post about poop emojis. But it's easy when we forget that there are real people on the other side. And I don't just mean abortion, I mean whatever other side it is that has grabbed our attention. It's easy to forget that we're talking about real people. People who are made in God's image, people who are loved by God, and people whom God calls us to love. This past summer, I went with a number of people, including Suzanne Stoner, to uh, Austin, Texas uh, for General Convention. It was a wonderful gathering. And at the biggest worship event of uh, the convention, we went to uh, this, uh, we went off-site, we took buses, and we went to this off-site place where we had a revival of sorts. And you know presiding Bishop Michael Curry, uh, African-American preacher, a wonderful, vibrant preacher who preaches in a style I cannot emulate we gathered for this revival, but before we went in, we walked past some demonstrators from a particular church in Kansas. You might know of this church. I choose not to say the name of this church or to write it down. 
because they really seek publicity and I choose to deny them that publicity. But these people who were demonstrating were holding signs because of what the Episcopal Church represents in the wider Christian community. And these signs used a really terrible slur to describe who it is that God hates. Essentially, God hates homosexuals, but they didn't say homosexuals. These people, mostly to get attention, not unlike the legislature in Alabama, these people get that attention by, by saying that they believe that God hates homosexuals. I believe that God loves homosexuals. But that brings us to an impasse, a separation that as long as I'm on one side and they're on the other, nothing's ever going to change. We've, we've stopped recognizing the humanity of one another because we're talking in these exaggerated terms that dehumanize across this gap. And the only thing I'm convinced that has the power to close that gap is love. And it works like this. They might hate homosexuals. I might love homosexuals. But you know what? I believe that God loves even those people who believe that God hates the people that I love. Now, don't let your head get too spun around in that, but think about it. I believe that God loves even the people who hate the people that I love and the people that I believe God loves, which is to say that there might be hate on one side of the gap, but on my side, there has to be love. There always has to be love. It can be no other way, or else we will always be standing on one side of the road yelling at one another. But you know what? It's really, really, really hard to love people who hate and who declare that God hates people that you care about. Your friends and your family, vulnerable people, people who matter to you, and people who don't matter to them. That's hard. That's what it means to be a follower of Jesus. God sent Jesus into the world to reconcile the world to God, to close that gap that has existed between humanity and God for as long as humanity has been. God has reached out to close that gap, even though humanity, one generation after another, always seems to find another way to turn its back on God, to say, you know what, God, thanks but no thanks, I'd rather hate you. And God says, that's okay, I love you anyway. That's what Jesus represents. If we are followers of Jesus, if we want to participate in the great reconciliation of the world to God, we must be, like Jesus, those who love no matter what. And it's not easy. But it's who we are. Because it's who God sees in us. It's who God brings onto God's self in the incarnation of God's Son. And it's the hope that God gives us, a hope that is only possible through love.